Uh, good morning, everyone. I just um, want to be obedient and just carry on with... Oh, am I still there? Yeah. Uh, with what Daryl was saying. Um, I'm kind of going to touch on this later on this morning. Um, but while I was doing a bit of preparation this morning, I was just reminded uh, from a book I've been reading lately called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And in this particular uh, part of the book, we're talking about Jesus being our intercessor and our advocate. And um, just going on from what Daryl was, was saying about coming into his presence with confidence, knowing you know, who we are in him. Uh, Dane Ortland says, Christ gave for us the price of blood, but that is not all. Christ as a captain has conquered death and the grave for us, but that is not all. Christ as a priest intercedes for us in heaven, but that is not all. He goes on to say that sin is still with us, and Jesus is our intercessor and our advocate. And he says, so what should we do now if we had not an advocate? Yes, if we had not one who would plead. Yes, if we had not one that would prevail and that would faithfully execute that office for us. Jesus is our intercessor, who he is. So with that, we have absolute confidence in him and coming to him. Right. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity for me to speak your word. And uh, I pray, Father, that I will listen to you and be obedient to you. And that these words of mine, that they will be yours. And you will speak life into them today in Jesus' name. And let this word be a blessing and an encouragement to all those who hear it. Amen. Now, thankfully, none of you knew me when I was a child or even a teenager. <laughs> if you saw me, if you knew me when I was younger, you would see that I was as far from an example of a sportsman that could ever exist the earth. Not much of that example now either, but back then, I was surely, surely not. So it come to no surprise when I tell you that every sports day, I would make every, every possible effort to avoid it like the plague. Any excuse I could come up with, I've lost my PE kit, I've thrown it away, I'm sick, I'm holding the thermometer against my light bulb in my bedroom, I would just get out of it, all the way to simply, when I got older, ditching school, okay? Then one year, I think I was about 17, my school decided in its infinite wisdom, let's do sports day at a different school. Let's put our entire high school on coaches and let's bust them away for 10, 12 miles and go do an inter-schools sports day with our sister school. And as you can imagine, the horror hit. There was no way out of this. I was absolutely doomed. I had to go to sports day. So I sucked it up. I took one for the team. I went as a participant only. No, I lie, I didn't. 
I went as a spectator only, not a participant. The only thing I participated in was lining my blazer pockets with as many sweets and chocolates as I could fit into them. And I sat in the stench and spurred my fellow sportsmen on, troughing my sweets and munching on my chocolate. And then it dawned on me, as I was watching these beautiful examples of athletes running before me, actually it looks like there's something to this whole running thing. Why don't I give that a try as I sat there eating sweets? So I was absolutely infused and enthralled by running from that day forward, and I decided when I get home, I'm going for a run that evening. And guess what? I actually did. I got on some old trainers. I don't know where I found them. And I went for my first run. And it was nothing glamorous, as I'm spelling out for you now. It was terrible. It was dreadful. It was not a run. It was probably a crawl or something. But I did it, and I was really proud, and um, very soon after that, right, good old time lapse after that, I was running every morning. I had mapped out my own 5K route through my neighborhood, and before long, I don't know how many handfuls of months, but let's just say before long, I was running every morning before going to school. And it was bliss. It was absolutely brilliant. The best thing about it was the morning air. The aroma of freshly baked chocolate chip cookies <laughs> flooded my neighborhood. <laughs> there was no chocolate chip cookie factory in sight. Okay, I don't even think one existed anywhere in the province where we lived. But I tell you, and you can disagree with me, and you're probably right. There's no way the air could smell like freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. But to this day, I will stand here and defend what I smelt, okay, at half past five in the morning. Right, where am I going with this? Don't worry, the preacher's not about chocolate chip cookies. I'm not about to bash out a recipe for you this morning, okay? <laughs> Maybe another time. We all have a morning ritual. We all start our mornings off in some way or another. Back then, it was running 5K every morning. Now, it's probably three cups of coffee to get me anywhere near the front door. But the point is, we all have a morning ritual. We all start off some way. I'm not going to try and take out anything from what we do. There's nothing wrong with going running. There's hopefully nothing wrong with the amount of caffeine I need to have. <laughs> the point is this. Where is your focus in your morning ritual? My focus as a 17-year-old running around in the morning through my neighborhood was entirely on myself. And that is evident in the fact that I thought that every mom in my neighborhood was up at half past five to bake the chocolate chip cookies. It was entirely on myself. So my question to you then today is this. Where is your focus? Okay, where is your focus Right, the title of my message, as you may have guessed, has got something to do with the morning. The title of my message this morning is, God in my morning, God in my evening. I'm going to say that again, because I think that's a great title. <laughs> God in my morning, God in my evening. 
I hope you are really blessed by this this morning because this is meant to be an absolute encouragement. And if you take anything away from this this morning, if you forget everything else that I say, but you take one thing, just remember, God in my morning, God in my evening. In other words, let's put God back into our mornings. Let's make him the center of our evenings. And let's make him the focus of our entire day. Now, before we get any further, let's ground ourselves. As a church, we love definitions. So I have two wonderful definitions for you this morning. I have a definition for you of the morning, and I have a definition of the evening. And it's not as simple as the sun rises and the sun sets, okay? although it is partly that, obviously. We all know what a sunrise, well, a morning and evening is. I thought I would look a little bit deeper into... What does the word morning actually mean? What does it depict? What is its symbolism? And the same with evening. So, the morning depicts brightness, freshness, new beginnings, new opportunities, and a new hope. It's a symbol of birth, of rebirth, and awakening. And evening is the sunset, and the sunset is the promise of a new beginning. So, how do we put God into this? How do we bring this back, you know, biblical? Because I kind of got a bit confused when I got to this part in my notes while I was preparing this. I was like, really? We're doing an English lesson? So, I felt reminded, look and read your title again. God in my morning, God in my evening. So let's be absolutely literal then this morning and let's actually take the name of God and put him in our evening and put him in our morning. And then all of a sudden, we see something quite exciting. We see God in my new beginning. We're putting God in my new opportunity. We're saying God is my hope. We're praying out to the Holy Spirit, awaken me, do a new thing in me. Now, if sunrise is a new beginning, then sunset is the promise of the new beginning. To say that again, sunrise is our new beginning, but sunset is a promise of a new beginning. Now, maybe today you're hanging on to a promise that hasn't yet been fulfilled. Bring God back into that promise. Remind him of it. Not that God forgets. God doesn't forget. But if we read through the scripture, we are showing how when people have prayed, they've reminded God about their promises. And praying in earnest and reminding him. And the Bible actually says, and then God remembered. And it became so. So, by reminding God, we are putting our faith like where our mouth is, basically. The Bible says, faith without works is dead. And also the Bible says that it is impossible to please God if we don't have faith. So by reminding him, we're building our faith. We're, he, it's not that he's asleep and have, has forgotten. It's because we just need to show we have that faith. And then we just pray it into existence. 
So for now, let's just put the evening part aside because obviously it's the morning. That's normally the hardest part of the day. They say there's two types of people, a morning person and an evening person. And thankfully, God made me both. <laughs> he didn't. He really didn't, unfortunately. I wish he made me a morning person. So, back to the morning. We've said God is my hope. Hebrews 10 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for who he promised is faithful. We can pray, Holy Spirit, awaken me. Do a new thing in me. In 2 Corinthians, we read that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. And the old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And the Amplified Version says, because spiritual awakening brings new life. But also, and maybe the most difficult or trickiest part is, we need to submit to him. It's a case of God says, draw near to me, and then I will draw near to you. It's not the other way around. I wish it were sometimes. I've tried to make it the other way around. I can remember the countless conversations I used to have, or I still have, but this particular time, conversations with God I would have on my way into work. It was a few years ago from where I worked. I felt that God was calling me to leave that place. And I didn't want to submit to that. And it was a case of, well, God, if you do this for me, then I will leave. If you give me a new job, then I will leave. See, I thought it was pretty reckless just to abandon, or at least hand in my notice, before, uh, before actually having a new place to go and work. You know how it is. You get unhappy where you're working. Before you go, have that awkward chat with your boss. You put your feelers out. See what else is out there. And I'd done that a few months prior, and I'd seen what was out there, and I'd started applying for new positions. And nothing. The weeks went by. I think it was getting up to about two months, and absolutely nothing. And I reminded God of that. And in this particular conversation where he was telling me, you just need to take a leap of faith and just draw near to me and submit to me, I was like, I will, but what about all the others? I will, but what about this? And all of a sudden, I was giving God conditions. During the week, I was reading this great little plan in the Version Bible app, uh, all about the Holy Spirit. And actually, it was talking about Saul and how when the Holy Spirit came upon Saul, Saul became bold and didn't care what people thought of him. But when the Holy Spirit left him, that all changed, and he became afraid of people. One of the things that really stuck out to me was that the person who wrote this um, devotional said how we almost become reckless when we are living according to the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying go live a reckless life. I'm saying live a life that is following God and following the Holy Spirit. It might seem reckless to the world. And I tell you, I felt really, really reckless when I was doing this. And I went in that day, and I had decided right there and then, okay, God, fine, you win as usual, but the best thing about when we let God win is that we don't lose. We win as well. And um, 
I handed my notice in, and that very day I started getting phone calls from other places, even from places that I hadn't applied for. So the, the bottom line is submit to God, draw near to him, okay, and let's make him the focus. So that's kind of what we need to do in the morning. Remember, God is our hope for the day. And uh, ask the Holy Spirit to awaken us, do a new thing in us. We submit. We give him our day. We commit our day. And then all of a sudden, we walk out the door and our day actually starts to happen. And if you're anything like me, it's not always the best thing when our day starts to happen. And we start experiencing various states of our humanness throughout the day. I mean, the day has got all sorts of things involved. Obviously, number one, it's us breathing. Number two, it's us living. It's us going to work. It's having dreams. It's having vision. It's having ambitions. It's... Uh, Everything going all of a sudden absolutely wrong and, oh God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? It can be times of absolute stress and anxiety, sometimes an absolute roller coaster. We'll have periods in our life where we are waiting and we need to learn how to rest. And that might not just be for a day. Sometimes that can be many, many days. But it happens. We all get stuck in this state stuck in a state of humanness, we are human. And life, obviously, is going to happen. But the best thing about it is, yes, we can start our day off making God the focus, but let's take God and make him the focus throughout our day as well. So all these things that I have just mentioned, guess what? The Bible speaks about them as well. For every single state of our humanness, for every single thing that we have to go through, there's something in the Bible about it. We've heard it all before. It's like a manual. It really is the perfect manual for our lives. You might be thinking, seriously? What? God's interested in my working and my living? Yeah, he is. The Bible says whatever you do, work at it as if you're working for the Lord. Job 33, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. See, it's even talking about us breathing. Even in our thinking, Isaiah 26, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In our dreaming, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. We're going to look at that verse a little bit later as well. But we all know what it says. For um, God knows the plans and thoughts he has for us. And they're good. They're full of hope. And they're for a future, a better future. But then it also all goes wrong in our day. It's not just a lovely bed of roses. It, well, it seldom ever is. And um, it goes wrong. And we pray and we ask God for deliverance, to deliver us from it. And we can liken ourselves almost to the situation uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's three friends. In a nutshell, King Nebuchadnezzar had just built this amazing statue of himself, and he got the whole kingdom together, and he said, bow down to this, okay, to show your loyalty to me, 
or there's a little furnace over there. It wasn't little. It was, must have been pretty big, but we'll get to that in a minute. And um, you know, if you don't bow down to the statue, you're going in the furnace. And there's Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, they will not. They told King Neb they will not bow down to his statue. And they said to him, we won't do it because we believe that our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to believe and trust in God. Okay? King Neb got furious. He was so cross, he ordered that the furnace be made seven times hotter. I don't know about you, but fire is pretty hot. So to make hot seven times hotter, that must have been pretty hot. And apparently it was the guards at the entrance couldn't be alive near this really hot furnace. And there, the three friends are thrown in. And King Neb looks into the furnace and he says, didn't we just put three people in there? Then why do I see a fourth? Because sometimes God doesn't just deliver us and take us out of our situation. It would be wonderful if he did. But sometimes he meets us in our furnace. And what happened? They came out. And they came out unsinged. It didn't even smell like they were at a barbecue. It probably smelled fresh out of a shower, I would have imagined. I could hope. But the point is this. Sometimes if God doesn't deliver you, it's because he's going to meet you there in your problem. He's going to meet you and he's going to go through that problem with you. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, could you turn to Psalm 113? We're going to stay here for a little while, not too long, don't worry. It's not a very long psalm, it's only nine verses, but it's the perfect psalm for the whole thing of God in my morning and God in my evening. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to the setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? He is enthroned on high. Who humbles himself to regard the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap, that he may seat them with the princes, with the princes of his people. He makes the barren woman live in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we start off in the first verse there. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. We're told three times to praise the Lord. First is a personal statement of praise. Praise the Lord. And it's also an encouragement for others to do the same. As God's servants, we have reason to praise Him. We get to see His faithfulness. We get to see His goodness. 
we all, as God's kids, have a reason to praise Him. We're also told there to praise the name of the Lord. In other words, we are to praise His character. We are to praise who He is. So who is it? What is His character? In the book of John, we read about Doubting Thomas. And I think this is perfect in who his character is. Thomas says to the rest of the disciples, I don't believe that Jesus has been risen. I will only believe if I can put my fingers through his hands and put my hand in his side. And then we're told that Jesus appeared in front of him. Jesus didn't turn Thomas away. Jesus called Thomas to him, and he said, Thomas, if you don't believe me, come here. Put your finger through my hand. Put your hand into my side so that you'll believe. Thomas didn't get a reprimand from Jesus because Thomas started doubting. Thomas got invited to Jesus. Jesus brought him closer to himself. That is his character. That's who Jesus is. Just because we have an ounce of doubt doesn't mean he pushes us away. No, that is even more reason for him to invite us closer to him. Now, obviously, that is a good old New Testament way of thinking and way of looking at what God's character is. And very often, as Christians, myself included, we want to stay away a little bit from the Old Testament because the angry Old Testament God. Really? Is he the angry Old Testament God? The Bible clearly says he is the same today, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So what is God's character then in the Old Testament? If we're painted the picture of a loving, kind, merciful, welcoming God, well, it's exactly the same in the Old Testament. When God was speaking to Moses... In Exodus 34, God introduces himself. He's speaking in the third person. He's speaking about himself when he says, The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. So you see, he is the same. His character has always been the same and will always be the same. He didn't introduce himself as a wrathful, vengeful God. He introduced himself as a God who is merciful, who is gracious, who is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 113 carries on to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. So first we're encouraged to praise the Lord. Now we're encouraged to praise Him forever. In other words, to praise Him always. So, to start the day by praising Him and then keep on doing it. So no matter what our life throws at us, we need to keep on praising Him. From the rising of the sun to its setting, let the name of the Lord be praised. And then in verse 4, all of a sudden, as if we even needed to be given any reason for praising Him, the psalmist 
gives us a few reasons to praise the Lord. It says the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is above the heavens. So not only is He greater than everything on earth, His glory is greater than everything in heaven above as well. The God we serve is just greater than everything. His glory is greater than everything. But what is His glory? Very simply, Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lowly, says about his glory, God's glory is simply his goodness. That is his glory, his goodness. Then we're told he humbles himself to regard the heavens and the earth. In other words, he humbles himself to regard me. And he humbles himself to regard you and to think about us. So what are his thoughts about us? We already briefly had a look. Jeremiah 29, 11. His thoughts for us are good. His thoughts are for us is for a hope and for a future. A good future. He raises the poor up out of the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. Spurgeon says this, when no hand but his can help, he interposes and the work is done. Now, I didn't really know what interposes is. I could have guessed, and I don't know, come up with something. I mean, it's a cool quote and all of that. But interposes is place or insert between one thing and another, or to intervene between two parties. And that's what Jesus does. He intervenes between two parties. He intercedes for us. He is between, well, he's between us and God interceding for us, always. He acts as our intercessor, and he acts as our advocate. And I didn't really quite understand this. Why do we need an intercessor? We're saved already, right? But picture this. Two pieces of land connected by a bridge. We are still surrounded by sin, but God is perfect and wants us to live a holy life for him. There's a gap. Jesus being the intercessor simply connects that disconnect. And that is why we need Jesus as an intercessor. We're running out of time this morning to go into, the, into God in my evening. And I'm not going to go into there because otherwise we might be here all day. But what I want you to take from this morning is that Jesus is our hope. He is our future. And he calls us. We may doubt. Daryl and the band, would you like to come back up? Jesus is our hope and he needs to be our focus. Let's take him with us all through the day. If you have any doubts, if you think I'm not good enough, remember what Thomas, remember Thomas and Jesus. 
Jesus didn't turn Thomas away. He welcomed him all the more. I just want to read a passage from um, Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. It's a great book, by the way. If you haven't read it, you really need to read it. When you sin, remember your legal standing before God because of the work of Christ. But remember also your advocate before God because of the heart of Christ. He rises up and defends your cause based on the merits of His own sufferings and death. Your salvation is not merely a matter of a saving formula, but of a saving person. When you sin, his strength of resolve rises all the higher. When his brothers and sisters fall and stumble, he advocates on their behalf because it's who he is. He cannot bear to leave us alone to fend for ourselves. So maybe you don't know who this Jesus is that I'm talking about this morning. Quite simply, he loves you and he's calling you. And if you don't know him, then answer that call. His love for you, as I've just read, is not a formula. It's who he is. And he cannot bear to leave you in life on your own. And likewise, this morning, if you need a touch from him, if you just need that fresh anointing and that awakening, then my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will meet you and do that for you. And if you're watching online and you are really you want to know more, then just drop us a comment as well. And somebody will get back to you.